before we get to the episode, I just wanted to shout out to my fellow podcasters. Thank you for the support. I really appreciate it. I want to give something back to you guys as well. If you're looking for sponsors, affiliate links, ads, go on podmetrics.co. That's P-O-D-M-E-T-R-I-C-S dot co. And use my code Divine Healing by D to sign up and find sponsors. That's podmetrics.co. Referral code Divine Healing by D. Good luck. Welcome back to Divine Healing by D. Today I have on motivational speaker, coach Kevin Nahai. He is so well-spoken, so wise. We're talking about something that we probably should be talking about more, and that's uh, body issues and body disorders, specifically in men, but we also talk about what it means to women and how it affects women as well. Uh, He kind of interviews me (laughs) for a little bit, which is kind of cute and funny. So we'll talk about also like the spiritual meaning behind um, body issues and body disorders and being overweight. If you don't know about that, I'll talk about that as well with him. So I hope you guys enjoyed this episode and maybe learn something and maybe you'll learn to probably work on yourself more when it comes to body issues and if you thought you didn't have any this might open your eyes a bit but it's not always so black and white so hope you enjoy it hey guys just wanted to remind you that we are not doctors here we are just talking from our experiences if you are struggling with an eating disorder please seek out medical help and a medical professional to help you and all the best luck okay good morning davina how are you <laughs> i'm great thank you hi uh, my name is kevin the high thanks for having me on of course kevin you had a few things you were open to talking to me about right one thing obviously stood out way more than the arrest is distorted eating and body image issues and I'd love to get into that so why do you think I'm going to be a little bit more specific why do you think that in our community especially uh, we have a lot of people who tackle these issues why do I think that in our community a lot of people what tackle these issues have body image issues or struggle with disorders Mm. well to tell you the truth um i mean first of all just to give a little bit of background um on on myself i i had severe anorexia for about three years wow and i'm a guy which is kind of rare or Mm -hmm. i mean at least we don't we don't talk about it as as much right and i'm persian and i'm jewish and i grew up in this community and everything um But my issues with body dysmorphia and distorted eating and everything really started when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's a theme for people is, you know, you don't just wake up one day with, you know, a a problematic relationship with food. It's it really starts 
early on because of expectations from your family or being bullied for being overweight in school? Or, I mean, for me, the catalyst was that when I was like eight or nine years old, my doctor said that I was overweight. And Mm -hmm. for whatever reason, that stuck in my head. And that was just a weight that I, an emotional weight that I carried around. And then I was chubby and I was bullied for that. And I didn't get picked for the school teams and so forth and so on. So um, my eating disorder really kind of manifested itself uh, when I was 19 or 20. And I got hit with depression. I got hit with anxiety. I moved away for college. And it was just a confluence of very difficult factors in my life. And the way that all of those came together and expressed themselves themselves were were through an eating disorder because everything in my life was out of control. So the only thing that I could control was my eating. Um, and, you know, then I was starving myself because I was angry at myself and angry at my life and so forth and so on. And I struggled with that for about three years. I was severely underweight. I'm five foot nine and mm-hmm. I was 112 pounds. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Wow. So it was, uh, It was a very, very scary time. Um, But to answer your question of, you know, why are these issues more prominent in our community? Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if there's been any scientific research done on comparing our community to other communities. They should. (laughs) Yeah, they they should. Mm -hmm. The prevalence of body image issues. But I think that, you know, in our families... In, in this community, the way that we look and the way that we present ourselves and sort of the, the standards that we have are so high and there is so mm-hmm. much pressure to look a certain way and act a certain way. And as I said, all of that gets passed on from the time that you're a kid, you know, especially for the women in, in our community, you know, yes. if you're I've heard things from my clients like, you know, Persian moms telling their daughters you would get married if you lost weight and oh, yeah. all kinds of things like that. I heard uh, that a lot. You heard that a lot? Oh, I've been hearing that for a long time. Oh, wow. I'm, <laughs> I'm sorry to hear that. That's okay. It's pretty normal. So was there anyone specifically, I would probably think in your family, who sat you down and said, Kevin, this is a problem. Let's get you some help. Oh, you mean when I had my eating disorder? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. All of them. All of them? Yeah. My mom, my dad, my brother, my sister, they, I mean, I look like a skeleton and I kept being hospitalized and my organs weren't functioning. Oh my goodness. And all of them, you know, God bless them. They were trying to help me. But if you have a severe eating disorder, you know, nobody's going to be able to do anything until and unless you are willing and ready to do something Correct. about it. Yeah. Now, not everybody needs to have severe anorexia or severe bulimia or what, you know, people, I'm not, the vast majority of people who have disordered eating don't have an acute condition, thankfully, you know. That's good. Um, but, you know, the, the, same, the same principle applies. If you have a, a maladaptive relationship with food and with your body, you know, you are living in your own head and you're the one that is suffering. If -hmm. it gets to a really bad place where you're starving or hurting yourself, then your family suffers and they try to intervene and they try to help you. But for the most part, 
you know, like, let's say if you're overweight, Mm -hmm. you know, if you're slightly overweight and people are making all of these comments and stuff like that, you know, they're not suffering as much as you are. Correct. But you have to get to the place where you are ready to do something about that, you know, or you're ready to Mm -hmm. fix the way you see your body, fix the way, you know, fix your relationship with food. If you're overeating, if you're undereating, you know, you have to take, get, be ready to take ownership of that and actually, actually fix it so that you don't suffer so much. Totally. You can only help yourself if you want the help. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So when you were going through all that with your eating disorder, did you wish or hope or look into like more education on how men dealt with eating disorders? Like, could you find anything out there on it? Yes, but not until I was ready. Not until you were ready. So there is or there are resources for men specifically going through anorexia, bulimia. Like there is support groups. You had somewhere to go to. I did. I had did a nutrition good. therapist awesome. uh, who's, who's very famous. Um, I worked with her for a couple of years. She wrote an amazing book that I recommend to everyone. Ooh, the book is, is called Intuitive Eating. Mm, I've heard of it. I've heard yeah, of it. and yeah. she invented this concept of intuitive eating. Her name is Elise Resch, R-E-S-C-H. Um, nice Jewish woman from the Valley over here. <laughs> nice. Um, and yeah, I mean, she she saved my life and she works with a lot of male clients. But the interesting sure. thing is that men uh, don't have fewer eating disorders than women. They just have different eating disorders. Interesting. So for women, most of their eating disorders are anorexia, bulimia, you know, things like that. Things mm-hmm. where they're, you know, starving themselves, binging and purging, trying to get skinny, skinny, skinny. For men, they have a different type of eating disorder, which is called muscle dysmorphia. And Mm -hmm. muscle dysmorphia is known as bigorexia, which is trying to get bigger, trying to get more muscular, trying to have a six pack, trying to get in the gym. You know, this is why you've got like men who are 16 years old, 17 years old, taking steroids and, you know, destroying their health and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So I had a short period of time where I recovered from my anorexia, Mm -hmm. but then I developed bigorexia. Then I developed muscle dysmorphia which is just a different type of muscle uh, of body dysmorphia. So men have a very, very high prevalence of body image disorders. They're just different. That is interesting. I knew about that, but I didn't know that it had like the name to it. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's a more recent discovery in the psychological, in in the psychology community. Um, But yeah, I mean, we, we always think of, women when we think of body image issues and, right. and eating disorders and stuff like that and men have them too they're just they're just different but you know whatever the disorder is and whoever has it man woman child it's all hell you know mm. and, and it, it all imagine. starts at an early age and it's all preventable yeah. um and, and the other thing that i that i want to emphasize is what i said before mm-hmm. you don't have to be severely anorexic in order to have a troubled relationship with food or a troubled relationship with your body it's not it sometimes it's a lot more innocuous than that but 
if it's on your mind all day long, if you're constantly worried about how you look, if you're constantly unhappy with your body, if you're constantly watching what you eat, so forth and so on, you know, if, if it's something you're thinking about day in, day out, then chances are that, you know, the, the way that you see yourself and the way you see food and all of that stuff is you're kind of stuck in a cycle of punishment. Mm. Um, yeah, it is punishment. Hell, as you were saying. So kind of brings me back to what I was saying before. There isn't enough education for men who are suffering from body issues or disorders. Cause you just gave me so much information that I'm pretty sure. I don't think a lot of people know about, I would say, unless you really suffered through it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't think that this is something we talk about enough. Mm-hmm. And even for the women, I don't think it's something that we talk about enough. Um, and, and I think that we don't realize how prevalent disordered eating is um, because, you know, people say, oh, well, I don't throw up my food. Right. I don't, <laughs> you know, I don't binge. I don't purge, you know, so I must be fine. But it's like, no, 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 that that those are the extreme cases. You know, the everyday cases are a lot more pervasive than we think. Right. Did you ever uh, find out like the spiritual mean? Did you ever get some kind of spiritual healing behind your eating disorder, like see a healer about it? Did they tell you what they think it was from? No, I didn't. Um, mm. I did all of my work in just, you know, traditional therapy traditional. and nutrition therapy. Um, now I'm a lot more spiritual. I mean, now I've developed a, a personal relationship with God. And now right. I read Torah and scripture. And, you know, I've been to healers and stuff. And, you know, I had a guy who did some Reiki healing on me for a nice. while. Nice, Awesome. Yeah, so I've I've you know dipped myself into the spiritual realm in recent years, but when I was going through it, that stuff wasn't really in my purview. Mm. Yeah, the first thing I would say to some people would be to get like a past life hypnosis session because that's the best way to find out patterns of why you have some disordered eating because that personally happened to me. I love food. I see food as my comfort. In high school, I would probably not eat just because I was keeping busy. I would do my work in school. I'd come home and I would do everything else. I would come home and I would make a feast for myself and just eat all my calories at that time. Now, looking back, I'm like, that is disordered eating a bit to not have all your calories spaced out like that. In one sitting. sitting. And then I would probably take a two or three hour nap because I was so full. Mm. Yeah, it's interesting. So I found out when I did that. So what did you what did you learn from your your past healing, your past life hypnosis? I learned that in one particular life where I had many uh, past life connections, meaning people who are in my life now were in that life as well. I had karma that I had I needed to um, solve. So I was starved. I was starved. And they say people who were either abused, starved in past lives, they come, they come back in another life with eating, eating disorders, or um, they come back overweight. They're trying to fill oh, that wow. void of being starved in past lives. So when they see the reason why they're like that, it helps them deal with their eating disorder, and they might be able to get past it. 
Wow, that is fascinating. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. so do you do past? I, I've never, I've never done one of these. Do you do past life hypnosis on yeah, people? Yeah, I can do that as well. So when I'm usually working on you, Reiki, I tend to get a lot of images and I see things. And when I tell that, when I tell the client, I'm like, "This is what I saw." But guess what? You don't look the way you look. You seem different. There's a whole. It's a whole other like scene. It could be another decade. And that's when I know wow. I'm connecting to their past life. And I, yeah. Wow. So it sounds, now I'm, I'm coming on your podcast, but I'm interviewing <laughs> sure, you now sure, because I'm really interested. I love it. Go ahead. So, but I'm sure your listeners want to know the answers to a lot of these questions as well. So my, um, so how did you, you know, how do you know how to do this? I know mm-hmm. that it's not like a qualification but did you wake up one day and realize that you have like a special skill or a connection to the ethereal you know because if if someone asked me Mm. to look into the past or look into the future in a sort of clairvoyant Mm -hmm. uh, sense I would I would have absolutely no intuitive knowledge of how to do that right as you shouldn't so the thing is no I didn't really I didn't really believe that I could do this. I didn't think that I could possibly see past life situations. But when I go in to heal that area or to pass the energy along, I have to go back to the time where it was formed. Mm-hmm. So that really, that that took a while. I didn't just wake up and was able to do that. But um, it first probably came out in my dreams. And then once I started to work on more people in, in my dreams, so I would see, oh, I would wow. see past life scenes in dreams, myself, other people. And then as I got older and I practiced more and I opened up more and my vibration was raised, raised up more. I realized that I was able, when I was working on people with Reiki, I was able to tap into theirs as well. And it wasn't like, Oh my God, I can do this. I'm like, wait, did I, did I really do this? Is this right? Am I really, I was really, I still doubt myself. I still doubt myself and I don't take it. I take it with a grain of salt and I have patience with myself and I don't, I try not to take it so seriously until I get confirmation from the person. Wow. That is really fascinating. (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, you're doing what you do for a reason. So, you know, if you doubt yourself, then other people are going to doubt you. You know, you have to know that you have a talent, you have, you have a gift and you can always work on it and you can always cultivate it and make it better. But I remember when I was starting my business Mm -hmm. and when I was starting to coach and help and counsel people, the thought that always popped into my head was, well, why would anyone listen to me? Yes. You know, like they've got a thousand choices of people, you know, there's, they can hire all kinds of other people to help them. They can go to more experienced coaches. They can go to more experienced therapists. You know, maybe my stories don't resonate with them, so forth and so on. Why would they listen to me? And, you know, the the essential turning point for me was when I was able to answer that question. When I was able to say, this is why a client mm-hmm. would or could or should hire me yes, over someone else you know like this is what I have to offer and it means that you're not going to be able to help everybody absolutely and it means that you have to have you know a specialization you have to understand how your story and how your talents are going to be catered to help certain people and not help other people and that's okay Mm -hmm. 
but you know when you when you really understand like why someone would come to you over somebody else then it at least in my experience removes a lot of the self-doubt absolutely you really you get me kevin i like this you get me i get you You get me no i I mean we completely transgressed from the eating disorder (laughs) we can go back to it i just want to know what do you think collectively as a community we could do to support you know men and women with these body image and disordered eating issues what can i do what can we do what could everybody do well before you go about fixing the world Mm -hmm. make your own bed yes so the first thing you can do is work on yourself and if you feel like you've you have a troubled relationship with your body or your or food or how you look you don't feel comfortable in your own skin you know the best way to be able to support other people is to work through your own issues first and to acknowledge them and not sweep them under the rug Mm -hmm. and to reach out to me or reach out to somebody else who's an expert and just not live in your own head all the time. Uh, And by the way, there is a myth of, you know, love yourself at every size (laughs) and, and, you know, love yourself no matter how you are. It's like if you're an alcoholic or you have a terrible temper, you can tell yourself all day long how wonderful you are. But until you fix that problem, you know, it's going to feel disingenuous to be praising and loving and helping yourself. So if you really hate your body, you do have to do something about it, whether that's eating better or hiring a trainer, losing weight, gaining weight. You know, you, you do have to see some sort of result that makes you that makes you feel better. However, that process cannot start with hate. It cannot start with self-deprecation. Mm. That that process has to start with support and motivation and praise. So what I mean is if you're unhappy with your body and you want to lose, let's say five pounds mm. and losing five pounds presumably is going to make you feel better about your body and feel better in your own skin by all means go lose the five pounds but you're not going to lose the you are and what all your problems are and you're trying to challenge or push yourself from a negative place into losing the weight that self-loathing is only a strong motivator for about a week or two And then eventually it turns into, well, I'm fat and I'm ugly anyway, so what's the point? What's the point? And then you don't lose the weight and then you feel even worse about yourself. And now you're pouring cement on top of that disordered eating and that distorted perception of your body. You're pouring cement on it so it it can never break free. On the other hand, if you say to yourself, you know what? I'm not happy with my body and I want to lose these five pounds and I believe in myself to do it. And I believe that once I do it, I will feel more comfortable in my own skin. And I deserve that. If that is the approach you take, if your approach starts from praise and kindness to yourself, then once you actually get the results, you can enjoy it and you can relish in it. Mm. What often happens is that people lose five pounds because they've been self-loathing and self-deprecating and that's their motivation. And then when they get to that point, they can't enjoy it because now they think, oh, well, I need to lose two more pounds or I'm still not good enough or I'm still ugly. And then it's just this 
vicious cycle of nothing is ever good enough. But if you start from a place of being kind to yourself and believing in yourself, then along the process of losing that weight and getting towards your goal, you actually feel better and you see the progress. And once you have actually accomplished the goal, you're able to praise yourself for it and you're able to appreciate it and feel good about it. Right. So that's a long way of saying the first way to help is start with yourself. Right. Be honest with yourself. And I'm, I'm always here. I talk to people about this all the time for free. You know, anyone can reach out to me anytime. Um, I think the second step to making collective improvements in our community would be to bring it out of the shadow and mm-hmm. to talk about it more <laughs> yep. and more openly. Um, and I think that starts with vulnerability and it starts with education and it starts with having, you know, these types of conversations. Um, and, you know, our parents' generation and our grandparents' generation, they have different views. You know, hopefully our generation and the way that we raise our children will be a little bit more tolerant a little bit kinder a little bit more compassionate here's hoping what's here's hoping yeah here's hoping (laughs) you know but again it it all starts with you you know if you don't want to raise your kids the way that you were raised and if you don't want your children to have the same body image issues that you have you know you have to fix them first you got to make your own bed before you go about teaching other people how to make theirs Right. Very true. So we can overcome if we battle those issues so we can overcome them by first obviously working on ourselves, talking more about it. What else can we do? And what else did you do to overcome it besides talking to a professional? I had to work on it literally every day. Every day. Uh, Sorry, go ahead. No, I was saying, like, did you do affirmations? Do you still do affirmations? Well, yeah, I I still do affirmations. But if you're in the middle of an acute eating disorder, no amount of affirmations is going to help you. You need help from a professional. You know, like, if you, God forbid, have cancer or something, you need chemotherapy. You can't just, like, you know, you need to go to a doctor. Get CBD, right? Exactly. (laughs) Um, So now I do affirmations to keep my recovery up. And to keep Good. myself, you know, to maintain. And I still have glimpses of body dysmorphia, not liking my body and thinking I'm too this and I'm too that, you know, just, mm-hmm. I don't know if it's part of living in LA, you know. Or uh, that's a good big part of it as well. I actually feel like L- LA, the LA community take body issues kind of to another level than New York. I the would, women in LA, you would think it's the opposite. The women in LA, because the weather is always so nice. You guys are in bikinis more than us. Yeah. That's what it is. Yeah. We, we <laughs> and LA and Hollywood and the celebrities and, you know, all that stuff, it, it's definitely ingrained. So I find myself still having, you know, glimpses of my previous thinking, my, my, my body dysmorphia, but I absolutely believe that it's something that can be overcome, you know, to a 99%. Like there's always going to be 1%. If, if, if you grew up with it being ingrained in you that you have to look a certain way and then it's being triggered by all these people you see on Instagram and, Mm -hmm. you know, you are comparing yourself to your skinny friends who got married and thinking, oh, the only reason they have a good relationship is that they're skinny. Because they're skinny. Which is like just the thinking is just so flawed. 
But anyway, if that stuff is ingrained in you, then yeah, there's, there's always going to be maybe 1% lingering in the background, but Mm -hmm. it's about how loud it is and how often it's creeping into the forefront of your mind. You know, there was a time in my life where all I ever thought about 24 hours a day was food and my body and how I looked. And I absolutely hated myself. That's being in the grips of, uh, of a body image disorder, no matter how large or small. It's about how often you think about it and how much it takes over your life. So now, thank God, I rarely think about it. As I said, maybe I get a 1% glimpse here or there, but it is something that can be overcome. You know, with professional help and with working on it every single day, every day. Good, I'm glad. It's it's exactly like, like you know, the losing weight analogy. You're, mm-hmm. you will not lose weight if you go to the gym once a week. Right. <laughs> you know, like to me, if I'm like I'm eating better for like two days, why 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 am I not like a little skinnier? <laughs> exactly. It is consistency day in day out for years. Yeah. Um, I'm guilty of it. Yeah, that's the only honestly. Way. Honestly, I, there also just should be more um, education on it, and we should talk about it more. And also, just if people don't know that there is like spiritual meanings behind body issues, it's great to look into uh, Louise Hayes' books and her affirmations. They're great. She talks about it more about what I just talked about as well. Mm. So definitely check that out. Um, you know, it's it's kind of funny. So I wrote a book like a few years ago. Actually, oh, amazing! It's much, like, it's much, it's a long time ago now. But I actually put this character in there who any any time she would see the main character, so she was the main character's aunt. Any time she would see her, she would be talking about a new diet or did I lose weight? Did I lose weight? Like anything, just talking. Did you lose weight? That was my way of getting that point across that the Persian community has such an obsession with how they look, how they look to other people, how they look to themselves, that when that came out and people were, people were very offended. And my answer was, well, you're offended because you know, it's true. You know, it's true. You connect to that. You probably have that issue and they would just be silent. Mm. (laughs) Yeah. There's a there's a saying that says the truth will set you free, but first it will piss you off. Mm-hmm. And this is something that I experience with my clients all the time, male and female, no matter what their age is, no matter where they are in life. When I hold up a mirror to them and show them the truth of their lives and their behavior, whether that's in eating, whether it's in relationships, whether it's in business, it doesn't matter. I always get pushback. Mm-hmm. And at first, they're always pissed off at me. And once they, you know, once it sinks, they're always offended. They're always defending. They're always justifying. They're mm-hmm. always qualifying, you know. And then once it sinks in a little bit, they realize that it's true and that the reason they're triggered and the reason that they're offended is that, you know, it, it sort of initially pours salt in their wound, you know. But it's, it's, it feels like it's pouring salt. Really, it's pouring alcohol, and alcohol yes. is sanitizing <laughs> the wound. You know, That's alcohol true. is actually helping the wound, but it burns at first. Mm-hmm. It's like I'd like to go somewhere that the one topic we're only talking about is a new diet or how I look or how many Pilates classes I took this week or who the new trainer is. Like, can we talk about 
things that are actually important or that's all we're going to talk about i bet the conversations are the same in la i guess i'm not i'm not a girl so yeah it's a little bit different you know i i would love to be a fly on the wall to hear like four or five girls you know like to hear what they talk about at brunch um but uh but yeah i mean i hear all of these stories and and i can't speak for women because i'm not one but you know i've had many many female clients and helped them through their body image issues and i understand it i really do and i always tell people don't live inside your own head mm-hmm. reach out to me reach out to davina reach out to a nutrition therapist there are 10 billion resources out there so you know many. but as as long as you think you're going to do it by yourself it's it's the same as you know if if you were drowning in the ocean and I threw you a life jacket, mm-hmm. would you throw it behind your head and no. say, no, I don't want this. I'm going to do it on my own. Exactly. It's the Good. same exact thing. Good point. So where can everybody find you, Kevin? Um, probably my Instagram is the best way. Um, they, you can just follow me, message me anytime, reach out. Um, just the same way we connected. Um, that's, that's probably the easiest way. I have a YouTube channel. Um, with some longer form videos on it, but I'm more active on Instagram and it's just my name, Kevin Nahai, N-A-H-A-I. Thank you for sharing your story with me. I'm really honored. Thank you. It was awesome. I really enjoyed talking to you and I hope you have a great rest of your day. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I just wanted to give you a friendly reminder. If you like what you're listening to, if you like my content, if you like my podcast episodes, I really appreciate ratings on Apple, reviews, subscribe, share to your friends, family, anyone you really think would benefit it. And thank you always for the support.